Would you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, a passage we'll be looking at this morning. Uh, while you're doing that, I'll just make a couple of comments here. One, it's great to be back uh, preaching today. Gail and I had been gone on a little bit longer vacation and also attended our uh, EFCA national conference down in New Orleans. And I'm just so uh, happy to be part of the Evangelical Free Church. It was a great conference. I just love the focus on uh, church planting, missions, evangelism, outreach, and racial reconciliation. Uh, I think the leadership of the Free Church has really caught this understanding of how our nation is changing demographically and how if we are going to continue to grow as a denomination, I mean, we need to uh, continue to reach out. And so the worship was multi-ethnic and the teaching, the preaching, the training that was going on there was, I just thought, right on target for things that we need to hear and think about. Uh, if you're interested in hearing some of the messages, you can go to the EFCA website and you can listen to some of the things that are there uh, and just kind of follow what's going on in the denomination as well. But that was a very good time and thank you for your prayers for us as we travel. I'm also excited, you know, that God has really brought together a great team here and I'm grateful for these opportunities when uh, Jason and Jim and even Justin could speak and uh, preach. Wasn't it great to hear Justin last week? I mean, I thought that was really good. And yeah, yeah, amen. And just how um, it was a good experience for him growing. Uh, first time he had ever done a sermon. And so, you know, you heard him share about that, but that was excellent. And we'll continue this summer. There'll be a couple other times too, and Jim and Jason will be speaking as well and sharing in that. And I'm enjoying that that part of the ministry too. It gives me more time to do some of the other things at church as well. So today we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 as we finish this letter. I'm going to start at verse 9 and read to the end of the chapter if you'd like to follow along. Paul writes, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus, and when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. And you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And greet Priscilla and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit, and grace be with you. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word this morning again, we see these 
personal notes from Paul to Timothy and to the other brothers and sisters that are mentioned here. It's a reminder of how important relationships are in the body of Christ, that we are a family and we need one another. And Lord, I pray that as we travel this journey together that we are on, that you would use, use uh, each one of us to have an influence for good in our lives. And Father, may you grow our church and help us to become all that you intend us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's message is called Finding Strength in Times of Need. And as I was working on the message this week, I was hearing the news like all of you were and thinking how appropriate this text really is for today. It's been a very, very sad week for many people. Uh, we heard about the accidental drowning of Alex Vitalis, a young man on the St. Croix River. And I think all of us, and especially those who are parents, would say to our kids, you know, don't do that. Don't do the cliff diving. That it is never 100% safe. And we want you here. And our hearts go out to the parents who lost a son so tragically. And we think of the two-year-old boy, Isaiah Tice, who wandered off and then was found in the trunk of a car on the property. And like everyone else, we wonder, how did that happen? And how sad is this when you see that smiling face and the pictures that have been shown and you, your hearts go out to them because you think that could be my son, that could be someone that I knew. And there was indeed a connection to the Hinch family in our church and we pray for them. Um, Sue Merrick had a brother who died of a heart attack last Sunday. And then Wayne Gray, a longtime member of our church, died on Wednesday, and the funeral service will be tomorrow, uh, Monday at 11 o'clock here at our church. And we remember these families in our prayers. But that's just part of the story. I mean, each of us has our own struggles that we deal with, and people are wrestling with certain issues in their life, and maybe it's financial struggles, maybe it's work-related, it might be a serious health concern, it might be a marriage struggle, and God knows all of that. And after hearing the news this week for myself, I just found myself at points just wanting to go to my knees in prayer. And just getting on my knees and praying for these situations and the people that I was aware of. Because we need that. We need to find strength in God and in his word. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to deal with affliction and pain, sorrow and suffering, loneliness and loss. And somehow he found the strength to rise above it and to persevere in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, he said that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Paul fell at times like a boxer in the ring who's taken some pretty heavy blows, but he has not been knocked out. And he is staying in this fight, and he is pressing on, and he is seeing victory in the things that God is doing in his life. Where did Paul find the strength in his time of need? He found it in three areas that are available to all of us. Three areas that are available to all of us. Number one, we find strength in God's people. We find strength in our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. 
In his last days in a Roman prison, Paul felt very much alone. And he tells us in this passage that only Luke was with him. Everybody else had gone off in different directions. But like a general giving orders to the men in the field, you know, Paul has all these short uh, statements here about this person doing this, this person doing that, and he's going back and forth and giving directions. And so he writes to Timothy and he asks him to come quickly. Paul doesn't know how much time he has. And so when he says, do your best to get here quickly, really that word means to make haste, make haste. And again, in verse 21, he's going to stress that Timothy comes before winter. Do your best to get here before winter. Why was that? Because Paul knew that sailing in the Mediterranean was dangerous. And that if Timothy didn't leave as soon as he got this letter, he might not make it at all. In the Mediterranean region, the best time to travel was from May to September 15th. And the Romans considered travel after September 15th to be doubtful. And after November 11th, they considered it to be suicidal. It was just nuts to try and venture out. And Paul himself had been caught in some of those uh, voyages when he was shipwrecked and adrift at sea. He knew how perilous it could be. If Timothy didn't come now, he might not ever see Paul again. Some things can't wait. The moment will pass. The opportunity will be lost. Some things we need to act on now. Do it today. Where had everyone else gone? Well, he tells us in this passage that Demas, who had been with Paul when he wrote his letter to the Colossians and to Philemon, this man who had shown so much potential and promise, had deserted him. Why? Because he loved this present world. His heart had been captured by the things of the world, and perhaps he was afraid of what was going on to Paul, and he left. John Bunyan, in his allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, pictures Demas as the keeper of a silver mine on a hill called Lucre, that he loved this present world, and he walked away from Paul. Crescens and Titus have gone to carry the gospel to new areas. Crescens went to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Galatia, we believe, is southern France, different than the Galatia in Turkey, but that that was a term that was used to refer to the Gauls in France and that he was going into new territory. Dalmatia was where Albania, Bosnia, uh, Serbia, that region is where former Yugoslavia was. Uh, He has gone that way, taking the gospel into new areas, and those are good things, but it has left Paul alone with only Luke there. Mark, who had deserted Paul on a previous journey, has now been reconciled. His commitment to Christ is solid, and Paul wants him to come. He tells Timothy that he is useful to me. Get Mark and bring him with you. And he has dispatched Tychicus, the faithful servant, to Ephesus to relieve Timothy. Timothy's the pastor in Ephesus, so Paul is probably sending this letter by Tychicus' hands to say, hey, I'm coming to take your place. You go see Paul. He wants you, and I'll fill in while you are gone. And so Paul is from this prison cell giving all of these directions. 
as he continues to serve Christ to the very end. But can you imagine how much it would mean to Paul if Timothy and Mark and Luke were with him? I mean, think about those names, Timothy, Mark, and Luke, along with Paul. Those guys wrote over half of our New Testament. I mean, what a, a powerhouse meeting, if you will, of having, you know, Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, and Acts, and Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, and Paul there with Timothy. It must have been an amazing time. And according to Clement of Rome, one of the early fathers in the church, Timothy, Luke, and John Mark made it. And they saw Paul before he died. And indeed, they were there when Paul was taken outside of the city of Rome and he was beheaded by order of Nero at the Ostian Gate. And how sad that must have been to see their friend and their brother in Christ now killed by order of Nero. They came and they ministered to Paul in his final days. And I have to believe that those visits were so encouraging and so absolutely essential to the New Testament, to the early church, and to what God was continuing to do in the world. Some things can't wait. And sometimes when we hear of a need, we need to go at that moment. You know, I was thinking of a little, well, about a year ago, actually, it was, and I asked Jeff if I could share this story. Jeff was dealing with pancreatitis last summer, and it was just so severe, the pain that he was in. And friends came. Friends came and ministered to him. Uh, Mike and Tom from our church, John and Debbie, family members, and I remember I, on a Sunday afternoon, late in the day, I get a call from a friend of ours, Don Johnson, who just shared how uh, Jeff was struggling and asked if I would uh, stop down and see him. And so I called up one of our elders, Chuck Stomberg, and I said, Chuck, are you available? Can we go down to meet with Jeff and to pray? And we went down that afternoon and saw him in the evening, and we just, you know, Jeff was was. Uh, in excruciating pain that wasn't finding any relief. And we came, you know, and, and we just said, can we pray? And we placed our hands on Jeff and we prayed for him and asked for God's mercy and for relief from the pain that he was going through. And those days, those visits, that was really a turning point for Jeff. And God gave grace and he brought him through that trial that was so extremely difficult. And the presence of friends who had come to just be there with him and his family meant so much. And I say that because sometimes people who are going through trials in their life feel all alone. They feel like everybody else, you know, has their life and things are going great for them. And do people really care and do they remember? And it means so much to be present there. And sometimes on the other side, when people are going through difficulties, I, I know people who shy away from hospitals. They don't like going to hospitals, you know. They don't feel comfortable there, or they don't know what to say or what to do. And I would say to you that, you know, your presence, just your presence means so much. To come alongside someone, but also a note, a card, a phone call, the meals that you've provided to people in our church when they have been in need. A visit, all of those things show your love and your concern. 
I think of a story that was told of a little girl who was afraid to go to sleep one night. She had had a bad dream, and she wanted her mom to sit with her. And her mom talked to her, and it kind of reassured her that it would be okay, and told her to, you know, to pray and to ask Jesus to help her through the night. And the little girl looked up at her mom and said, yeah, but sometimes I need a Jesus with skin on. And sometimes we need somebody right there with us. And we find that in the body of Christ when people come alongside to comfort and help us. The second place that we find strength is in God's word. And we see that in verses 13 and following. Paul writes there that he wants Timothy to bring some personal necessities that he needs. He wants him to bring the cloak that he left with Carpus at Troas. He wants him to bring his scrolls and especially the parchments. Paul needed these personal items and he wanted Timothy to bring them with. And I think about a cloak, that was a pretty reasonable request. That was a heavy outer garment that as winter would be approaching and Paul's in this cell in Rome with no heat, it is cold, it's damp, it's dark, and he wants something to keep him warm. He asked for his scrolls and especially the parchments. The parchments were uh, more expensive. They are animal skill, skins. They're uh, vellum, it's called. Uh, vellum that's used in writing, and most believe what he was asking for there would be copies of the Old Testament scriptures. Expensive copies, personal copies that he had of the Old Testament scriptures. But what are the scrolls? What are those things? Well, the Drew University professor Thomas Oden asked an interesting question. He said, could those scrolls have been early Christian documents? Could they have been a collection of early versions of Christian preaching? Or could they have been a collection of the sayings of Jesus? Were these the documents, were they the materials that Luke and Mark used to write their Gospels in the book of Acts? I mean, you know, it's, it's very interesting to think about. What were those scrolls, those notes that Paul had taken down, those stories that had been collected? Were they the basis of what we have here in our New Testament? That meeting was so significant. And Paul found great strength in the Word of God. What's interesting is that in history, when William Tyndale, who helped to bring us the Gospels, the New Testament in English, when William Tyndale was in prison in Brussels, a year before he was executed there in Brussels, Belgium, he asked for almost the identical list. He asked for warmer clothing, a woolen shirt, and above all, he wanted his Hebrew Bible, grammar, and dictionary as he continued to work on translating the scriptures into English. What Paul asked for here were necessities that would help him in those final days but would be a blessing to the church. And he found his strength in the word of God. Pastor Kent Hughes notes that there's something else remarkable here that in Paul's reference to the lion's mouth, how later he says, I was delivered from the lion's mouth and the other statements he make here, it seems that Paul was meditating on Psalm 22, the same psalm that Jesus thought about and referred to when he hung on the cross. I mean, the text here resounds with allusions to Psalm 22. In verse 16, he says, everyone deserted me, which is like Psalm 22, 1, why have you forsaken me? 
In verse 16, he says, no one came to my support. And Psalm 22, 11 says that there is no one to help. Verse 17 says, I was delivered from the lion's mouth. And Psalm 22, 21 says, rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Verse 17, he says, that all the Gentiles might hear it. And that's similar to Psalm 22, 27, that all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And in verse 18, he says, God will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom, which echoes Psalm 22, 28, that dominion belongs to the Lord. The old apostle was so filled with the word of God, it flowed from his lips. It just permeated his thinking, and it was expressed in the words that he wrote. I look at Paul, and I think Paul is both a great example of how to live fully devoted to Christ, but he is also a great example of how to die. He is confident of God's faithfulness. He is confident that God will rescue him and will bring him safely home. And where did he find that strength? He found it in the Scripture. And thirdly, we find strength in God's Son, Jesus Christ. In verse 16, he said, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. At my first defense, no one came to my support. Where was everyone? I mean, we, we think about that, and you wonder, where were the people who were part of the church in Rome? Where were those believers that Paul had ministered to? Were they all hiding in fear? And where was Luke at this point, or uh, Tychicus? Were they, uh, you know, absent? Had they not arrived yet? Was there something? Because certainly you think that Luke and Tychicus would have been there had they known. Most believe that when Paul is talking about his first defense here, it's not his first imprisonment in Rome, but his first defense would have been something like a grand jury hearing where Paul had been arrested, brought before the authorities to make his initial plea, and the charges were presented. And at that first defense, there was no one there to support him or to defend him except Jesus Christ. You know, and I read these personal notes, and I think of how much they say. The statement about Demas is a reminder that friends may fail us or disappoint us. The statement about Mark is a reminder that people can change and that failure is not final in Christ. John Mark, who once deserted Paul, changed. By the grace of God, he became this stalwart in the Christian faith and was there with Paul at the end of his life. But even the best of friends, even our spouse or our children cannot meet all of our needs. We need Jesus. There, we cannot expect others to do for us what only Christ can do. And if we expect too much of those that are near us, it is unfair to them and it also dishonors Christ because our ultimate hope and confidence is in him. Paul writes that everyone deserted me, but the Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength. And we think back how in Paul's ministry, at several points, the Lord had come to his side to give him strength. I mean, Paul had this unique calling as an apostle to the Gentiles. 
And no one suffered as much as he did in bringing the gospel to others. And time and time again, the Lord came near to give him strength. When Paul was discouraged in Corinth, it was the Lord who came to him and encouraged him in Acts chapter 18. And after he had been arrested in Jerusalem, Paul again was visited by the Lord who told him that he would go to Rome and he would be a witness for Christ in Rome. And Paul writes of that event, and we read in Acts 23, 11, that the Lord stood near Paul in prison. He came in the flesh and stood near Paul and gave him strength, just like the Lord had appeared to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Jesus was there, present with him. And during that terrible storm, when Paul was on board ship in the Mediterranean, the Lord had again given him strength and courage in Acts 27. And now in that Roman prison where Paul had felt so alone, it is the Lord who comes and strengthens him and who promises that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We need that too, don't we? In those times of trial in our life, in those times when things are hard, when we are grieving, when we're wrestling with personal challenges, we need Christ's presence in our life. And it is Jesus who gives us the strength that we need. You know, on Wednesday, I was working on this message, and I was in my office, and Lisa Lazat stopped by. And we were talking about Mike. You know, and it's... It's uh, not been a year yet since Mike passed away. It was in September that Mike died unexpectedly of a seizure in the night. And I thought of how Lisa and how the way you have responded to her has been just such an example of this passage, of everything that I was talking about. And I asked her if she'd want to share the story with you, but she was going to be gone today. And so she said I could share it with you this morning. You know, when Mike died and she found him that morning, uh, she called Gail and I and asked us to come over. We're neighbors. We live in the neighborhood. And she called some other family. And, and immediately people came and began to be with her and Brett and Brock and Blake and give them support. Many of you stayed and you were there through the days and nights ahead and you were with her. And it was in the body of Christ in the people of God that she found great strength. And I think of the relationships, and all of you who know Lisa knows how much she has invested in relationships, and here was a time when she was in need and you stood with her. She found strength in God's people. But also, she found strength in God's word. I think a, a story that Lisa told about uh, Peggy Melko, who stopped by, and Peggy had written down on a card, uh, Psalm 139, verse 16, that said, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And Lisa said, you know, when she read that verse, she said that verse gave her such peace. I mean, it took away all of the what ifs for her, the what if this had happened, or what if I had woken up, or did I miss something, or all of the coulda, shoulda, wouldas that we think about in times like that. And I've got to imagine that for the Vitalis family or the Thice family this week, they're all going through those coulda, shoulda, woulda, what if, what if 
It's hard. We think about those things. And that verse gave her such peace that God knows all of that. He knows the days for us. All of them were written in his book before one of them came to be. And from his side, from eternity, this life is so short, whether we live two years or 20 or 100 years, it will pass so quickly in comparison to eternity. And nobody gets cheated. And nobody goes home, in a sense, before their time. God knows the days for us. Our life is in his hands. And then I think about how Lisa found strength in Christ. She has said to me many times that I don't know how people get through things like this without Jesus. Uh, His presence gives us such peace. It gives us hope. It gives us strength. We have confidence that our loved ones are in a far better place. And she has said, you know, I could not do this without Jesus in my life. And I think all of us would say amen to that. Paul couldn't do it without Christ who gave him strength, and neither can we. We come to a passage like this, and it just lays it out so beautifully. Where do we find strength to meet the challenges that we face? We find strength in the church. It's in God's people. And we find strength in the promises of Scripture, God's Word. And we find strength in the presence of Jesus, God's Son. Let's pray. Father, when I think about our church family on a Sunday morning like this, I know many of the stories that are out there, but there are many more that I don't know either, and you do. And you know our needs, you know our hurts, you know the burdens we carry. You know what's going on in our homes, in our personal life, and you love us, you care for us. You want us to grow in grace. You want us to find our hope and our confidence, our strength in you. And sometimes those trials are designed to get us to turn to you in greater dependence. Father, would you use the experience of our life to purify our hearts, to help us grow in Christ, to demonstrate love and compassion to those that we are near, and to love one another deeply in the body of Christ. Thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for the promises of your word. And God, as we come to you now, we just bring to you our needs and we lay them at your feet. And I pray that you would minister to each one who's here this morning, whatever those concerns may be. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.